Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99 Chart, 888 99 CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for joining us today. Now, whether you are a regular listener to Invest Talk, which I know we have plenty of those, or new to the program, we have a serious objective here, and the objective is to help you achieve financial freedom. When you think about it, financial freedom is defined by each person as the way they see fit, right? Financial freedom is different to each and every one of us, including myself. Ultimately, we all are working hard to get to the point where we don't have to work so hard, right? We get to do whatever we want to do, and typically, that means making some money, but maybe doing a, a different task uh, and maybe doing it less often uh, and in the place that you want to do it, right? Because you have the financial freedom to do so. So you want to be in your comfort zone, a place where you are assured that your economic circumstances are stable and well-funded, right? That is financial freedom. Now today, in this hour, I'm going to do, I'm going to do my best to help you get there one step at a time, and that's really what it is. It's one step at a time. There's nothing that's going to change your financial future overnight. We're all looking for that. Everyone's looking for that. But it's just not realistic. Right? If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You've heard that time after time, and guess what? There's a reason why it is a saying is because so many people have been burned by the get-rich-quick schemes. Now, you can make good investments, earn 20, 30, 40% in a short period of time, but that comes typically with high risk, and if you're always shooting for that, you're probably going to shoot yourself in the foot more often than not. So we are here to help you build momentum towards that financial freedom goal, no matter where you are. You might be at the beginning, you might be in your 20s and, and still saving, you might be in your 60s or 70s in retirement, and you're looking to grow your nest egg, right? Get income consistently from your investments and sustain yourself in retirement. And you might be in between having a nice full job, a family, and just trying to build that savings towards retirement as well. So we have listeners of all different colors uh, in their life, and we want to help all of you. So ultimately, it's up to you to bring your topics to us, your finance and investing questions. Our anytime listener line is open now, and I'm taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. So get your call in sooner rather than later. Now, Netflix came out uh, with earnings, uh, I was it last week? Uh, they're still burning a bunch of cash, but... Uh, subscription continues to grow. Subscription growth continues to increase, even though they're uh, burning a ton of money, spending a bunch of money on new f 
films, they're doing it in a different way. And frankly, a way that's a little bit cheaper than, or a lot cheaper than your typical studio, right? It used to be you spend a couple hundred million dollars on production of a movie, and then you go out there and market the hell out of it, right? With TV ads and online ads, and you get people excited about the movie to go out and see it. And that's typically how they used to market it. Now, while they're still spending tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars on producing films, it's going straight into their service and keeping people hooked. Now, is this strategy going to work long term? I don't think it will. I think there's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of competitors coming on board. You already know Apple is prepping one, uh, Disney, uh, Sony, uh, Viacom, Fox. All of these companies are using their portfolio of assets to build streaming competitors. And I think Netflix is going to find a strong fight with those competitors uh, as of late, I think, or in, in the next two to three years, and I think their recent rise in cost, they just raised their prices, I think that's going to open a big audience for other alternatives. People are going to start to say, am I going to pay $15 a month or whatever, $13, $14, $15 a month for Netflix when I can go get Apple's option for $10 a month, right, or Disney's, etc. So I think that'll be interesting to watch how that evolves, but definitely not something that I'm a big fan of their strategy. Anyway, higher taxes are causing businesses and middle-class earners to leave high-tax states in large numbers. One example is that U-Haul trucks to transport belongings from California cost much more than going into California. States like Illinois, New York, New Jersey, California, they all have high unfunded liabilities, ever-increasing tax burdens, and many are fleeing those states to other states that maybe don't have income tax or just a lower cost of living. So that's a, that's a big trend that's happening in our country. And I think that's only going to perpetuate itself because I don't think the, the leaders of those states are going to reverse the laws and the rules that have caused increasing budget deficits, caused increasing taxes. I don't think that trend is reversing anytime soon unless there's some sort of panic. Uh, and so I think that will only continue. And then lastly, NVIDIA took a sharp dive today. They did an earnings pre-announcement. They lowered their revenue guidance due to slowdown in China, and their gaming chips aren't selling very well as well. And then Intel last week had their earnings, which were lower than expected. It wasn't as catastrophic as India, or not India, NVIDIA. But this just shows that the chip sector in general, which tends to lead the tech sector, which I've been talking about isn't a great place to be right now, is rolling over. A lot of that has to do with China, but it's just the, the slowing economy globally. So those are kind of the main things on the docket today, main things that uh, push the market or are pushing our, our economies as a whole. And I want to talk about all of those things and much, much more. And as you can tell, there's a lot of market news to talk about today. So I want to know what is on your mind. But first, let's grab a question from our Anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. I am looking to really begin investing, and I already have a small amount 
in an app called Stash. I have about $5,000, and I was looking to get into something. Like I said, I'm 25, so I understand I can probably take a little more risk than others could. But I just wanted, I guess, your advice on where to begin. Thanks so much, and I'll listen on the podcast. Well, to begin is you want to be focusing on savings. And I'm not too familiar with the Stash app, but it probably is another robo-advisoring service. Uh, Maybe it makes it easier or more automated way to save. That would probably be the best way to go is find ways to make your savings automatic. And that is why for the vast majority of people, their savings is concentrated in 401ks. Why? Because that's an automatic contribution every single couple weeks, right? And if you can replicate that into other types of accounts that you automatically save in, it's going to put you a long way. It's going to get you a long way. Then you need to understand that investing is not a game that like I said at the top of the show, where you're going to just get rich overnight. Okay, It's a constant plotting of you know, nice, solid returns year after year, protecting your, your, your gains when you have big gains, uh, and ultimately making good, sound risk versus reward decisions. That's what investing is really about. Sound risk versus reward decisions. And you need to focus on learning what that looks like by educating yourself about how companies work, how different asset classes work, how different sectors of the market and companies in the market act within different economic cycles and different backdrops of where interest rates are going, where the dollar's going, etc. And that can help you make more, better, specific trades and investment decisions that are going to pay off in the both near term and long term. Uh, so read, read, read. I can't stress it enough. Read as much as you possibly can until you feel very comfortable making decisions before you put money to work. And I know robo-advisors are going to put you into some sort of index fund. And uh, I talked to a potential client today about this, about the the parallels with the Nifty 50 and how everyone's just crowded into index funds. So Understand the risks that are involved there. Understand that just because it's an index fund doesn't mean it's low risk. It's not. In fact, it's a high risk. I think almost every index fund when it comes to equities that are equity index funds are going to be high risk. And if you aren't understanding that, then you're perpetuating the indexing problem because when, when the next recession comes, when the, the next bear market comes, then that's likely going to, uh, you're going to be caught up in that. So just work on being educated and saving first before you start making big decisions. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I want to thank you for making this program a part of your routine. Steve and I do our best to make it interesting and instructive for you. And whenever you have an investment question, I encourage you to listen to our archive podcast and invite you to explore investtalk.com. Or give us a call. I'm taking your questions live right now at 888-99-CHART. You're listening.
listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99 CHART, 888 99 CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Now, our main talking point today is about how the CEO of UPS says that the U.S. economy is not slowing down. And America is showing resilience despite headwinds around the globe, including contraction in China. And so we'll look at that story. Obviously, UPS and and FedEx, they have a pulse on the American consumer and businesses because they ship the products uh, that we buy. And that'll be interesting uh, to see what he's saying as of, let's see, what's the date on this? January 22nd, so uh, early last week. Also, I have some other topics as well. What is an index? I just talked about index funds, how everyone's crowded into a trade. Uh, Did you know that there are now 3.7 million indexes? Million, yes. I said it, that's that's the facts. There are 3.7 million indexes that have been created. And we're going to talk about what those look like. There's different shades of what an index is. and why that's important. Also, NVIDIA had poor earnings. Uh, It's downgraded its expectations for the coming year on the back of China and slower sales from uh, their graphics processors. And this comes on the back of Intel. And so I'm going to talk about what this means for the chip sector as well as the tech sector as a whole, because who buys chip stocks? Who invests uh, in chip technology, right? Who buys those stocks? You're thinking it's the consumer, but in often it's not. It's the businesses within the tech industry. So we're going to talk about that. And then lastly, umbrella, um, sorry, umbrella, umbrella insurance. Talk about that occasionally when you get new insurance. What is it and how much do you need? So we're going to talk about that coming up on today's show. But this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And I invite you to check out our new online training experience. It's called Invest Talk Academy. Steve and I are dedicated to making Invest Talk Academy a valuable learning tool for serious investors. And you can learn more about it at investtalkacademy.com. Now I'm ready to take your questions at 888 chart What is investing on margin? Or what's your question? Why not ask it now at 888-99-CHART on InvestTalk. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. 888 99CHART is our number, 888 992 4278. Serena in Napa Valley, how you doing? Or in Napa, how you doing, Serena? Hi, I'm a younger person. Okay. I recently worked at a job where they offered me um, the benefit of having a 401k plan and company stock. Great. Um, however, I've um, left that company in order to pursue higher income so I could support myself a little better. Oh, that's always a good thing. Yes. And now I have these teeny little balances, and I'm not sure if it would be uh, beneficial to me to keep it, roll it over, get a check, or what I should do. Do not get a check. 
okay? Because then you'll have to pay taxes on it immediately. And you probably got a higher paying job, so you might be in a higher higher tax bracket. You don't definitely don't want to pay taxes on it. When you say teeny, are you talking about under a thousand dollars? Yes, I've got about five hundred in four hundred one k and about three hundred in the company stock. Okay, the company stock is that in the four hundred one k? Looks like it. If it's inside the four hundred one k, I would probably sell those stock, and I'd roll that four hundred one k into an IRA. Okay. It's very simple to do. You can go to a bank, you can go to Schwab, you can go to Fidelity, you can go to almost any one of those and say, hey, I have a 401k, I'd like to roll into an IRA, and they'll, they'll go out of their way to help you. Does it cost anything to do that? Free. Well, let me rephrase that. Sometimes the 401k people charge like 30 bucks or 50 bucks, but most of them do not. It's generally free. Okay. Okay. Then when it's in the IRA, you can put it in a money market. You can buy a mutual fund with it. You can add to it up to $4,000 a year. And if you're young, and you do sound young, it would be mm-hmm. wise to add to it. Does the new company offer 401k? Um, no, not yet. Okay. So then I'd roll it into an IRA, move it out from where it is today, and just you can go to the bank and put it there if you wanted to. Okay. You know, use CDs. But don't take it. Because, you know, this is your retirement. You're going to build it over the years to come. Okay, perfect. Okay. Thank Thanks you for, for the calling. help. Thank Bye. you. Let's go to Ralph in Poway. How are you doing, Ralph? Hi, Steve. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Uh, I have a, a very simple question. I've, I've made my little pile of money. I'm 63 years old and about to retire. And what okay. I want to do is I want to make sure that that pile of money doesn't disappear in 30 years. Okay. okay. I want it to last me 30 years. Okay. Now, I need a plan to accomplish that, and I need your help. Okay. I'll listen to your answer. You know, when you have a lump of money, and this is the money you need to protect and you want it to produce income for you and for forever, basically, until you die, and that's what Ralph is talking about. I got this money, this pile of money, I need it to produce an income. How can I do that? Well, the more income it produces means the more risk you're taking, meaning it can go down, too. There's some calculators out there called retirement calculators, and you can plug in how much interest you're going to make on that pile of money and how much it produces for you without ever running out. We have an income program at our uh, KPP Financial Income. Now, I tell people, expect 5 to 8% return, and you probably will never run out of money. Why do I say probably? Because I, there's no guarantee. The higher the yield, the more chances you take. You can plug in 5 6% into the retirement calculator and figure that's about a pretty fairly conservative number. And if you invest it properly and not take too much risk, buy some bonds, hold on to maturity, buy some high dividend paying stock, you can produce that kind of money fairly consistently. Okay, and never run out of the principal. The principal will never run out. So uh, that's what you do, Ralph. You go to those retirement calculators, plug in some numbers, and they'll tell you how much money you have, 250000 What interest rate do you want to plug in? Well, plug in 5%. And then you need to manage the money to give you that 5%. You can't do that with CDs or money market. That's not going to work. So anyways, and if you want to talk about it further, just give me a call at the office. I'll tell you all about how we do it. You know, I don't mind sharing that information. Now, our main talking point today is the CEO of UPS says the U.S. economy is now slowing, is not slowing down, is not slowing down, excuse me. Uh, what he says is that he thinks that we have to be very careful, but he thinks sometimes people can start to build bad news on top of bad news, meaning the psyche of people builds on itself, okay, and people stop spending. 
But he said holiday retail sales showed a reasonably strong economy and said that based on the estimates, it increased 5.6%, which to him doesn't sound like a slowdown, okay? Uh, which is a good thing, right? One of the largest, with the CEO of the, one of the largest shipping companies in the world, and especially concentrated in the United States, doesn't see a big slowdown. Now, does that mean that he's right? No, I like to look at the charts. What are the charts telling me? Okay, are the charts jiving with that sentiment from the CEO? Maybe he's just talking up his book. You always have to think of that as well. And I'm going to say the chart, which from a 52-week high back in early part of 2018, January, really the market high, it's never come close to that $135 number about a year ago today. Now we're at $102, $100 after the close today. And we never even came close. to 125 was the high uh, you know, late summer last year. And you just keep making lower highs and lower highs. So what this is telling me is that the CEOs don't have the same pulse as the market. The market's always going to be telling you where the economy is going. It's a much better barometer than what a CEO says. Now, is, is it, do you take it into account? Sure, but I don't buy it. The chart on UPS is telling me a different story than what the CEO story is. Now, tomorrow on Talk, was the market fourth quarter volatility a passing scare? Reaction to a possible Fed mistake or the real thing? Investors remain on edge after big January comeback. That's story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I want to take your call now at 888-99-CHART. It may be hard to believe, but the average 401k investor misses out on over $5,000 per year in investment gains. Why? Well, poor timing and subpar investment choices. This is what the studies show us. This is the challenge of the typical 401k, and that's the whole reason for Active 401k. And that's why we have Active 401k. That's why we launched the program for our listeners and our clients, because it's very difficult to allocate a 401k account. These plans have limited choices. You've got to make the changes. Now, if you have a 401k account, this is a program that you should know about. It ranks your current options within your current employer's plan, and then all you do is log in and make the changes. We'll tell you what to buy, what percentages, and what funds. If you'd like to see more about it, just go to investtalk.com, investtalk.com, and click on the Investments tab from KPP Financial. And it may be just what you've needed. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Wilma and Whittier, how you doing, Wilma? Thank you for calling. Um, I have a question. Sure. I've, I've asked so many people, but I don't know what what to do. Okay. I'm 61. I've been a widow for about 11 years. I'm sorry. And my husband, <laughs> thanks. And my husband had left his 401k, used to work for Xerox. Yes. And um, I have about 240000 at Dean Widow. Okay. Next year, I want to retire. Okay. And I've lived in an apartment all my life, but okay. I want to buy me a little condo because the rent keeps going up and up and up. Right. 
And I was wondering, is it wise to ask for fifty or sixty thousand at one point and then invest it and get me a little place? And how old are you? Sixty-one. Sixty-one. And you want to retire at sixty-two? Yes. Uh, is there in? Do you have any other assets? Well, I no. Just what I get is Social Security next year and um, my retirement from work. Can I ask about how much that how much that is a month? Well, it would probably come to seventeen hundred. I'm a little concerned of spending too much money. Whatever you buy, mm -hmm. you shouldn't use more than thirty or forty percent of that seventeen hundred on a monthly mortgage. In retirement, you really should not have a mortgage. Mm -hmm. And it depends on how much. You have 240000 nest egg, mm -hmm. and you're going to get 1700 I don't want to use all that 240000 I really shouldn't. You mm -hmm. shouldn't. You're going to need some emergency money. Yeah. Uh, therefore, whatever you buy, at the very least, you should not be using all your retirement monthly payment to pay for that mortgage. It should be less than half. Because mm -hmm. you want to have some freedom. You're going to get an opportunity to buy some things at very good discounts here the next year or two. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be tough for you to purchase something that's going to give you enough freedom on a monthly basis to have enough money. Could I take out more money then? Than mm -hmm. 50000 Yeah. Well, what you need to do is figure out how much you're going to pay for the place and mm -hmm. how much is your mortgage going to be. Yeah. And include taxes, property tax in there. Yeah. And then remember, there also is that monthly association fees. And then there's the heating, electrical, all those other things. Exactly. So you got to figure out all that cost and then determine it. Okay, so it would be better if I get me another apartment. Uh, at this <laughs> stage, I would say the chances are very good. Depending on how much you're going to pay for that condo, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Property okay. values are still going to come down, by the way. So don't get it, be in a big rush. Yeah. No, I, like I said, I have another year so. Yeah. Okay. And well, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Good luck. Helps me a lot. Thank you. Okay. Good luck. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We have 20 minutes left to get your call in. So if you're going to do it, try to do it, do it sooner rather than later. Now, let's talk a little bit about indexing. You know, I've, I've, I don't want to say I've railed against indexing. I just think it's a... Uh, uh, a little bit overrated. Uh, it's gotten to be the standard when it comes to investing. Uh, and it's just crowded everyone into a particular trade that I've compared to the nifty 50s of the 1960s. And you can go back and, and read about the history of that. But let's talk a little bit about what an index is and where we stand today. Now, the first index was created by Charles Dow, co-founder of the Dow Jones and Company. It was 11 stocks, which nine of them were railroad companies. Now, that index failed, but his second iteration, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, has persevered for 100 and, call it 12, what's that, 23 years? Right, it was launched in 1896. And now, according to the Index Industry Association, there are now more than 3.7 million index, indexes, sorry, indices. Now, the advent of the first index portfolio in the 1970s turned these as tar turned these into targets for active managers. Uh, Jack Bogle, who's the Vanguard founder, the one that died most recently, he came out with the first index mutual fund. Now, in the early days of indexing, it was tough to match the index because there were uh, a lot of expenses, trading costs, uh, co handling corporate 
M&A was was difficult. Rebalancing uh, based on uh, you had to pre-announce the changes to the index, so people would front-run the the changes in the index, things like that, and it really was hard to match the overall index, right? Now, most recently, there's been uh, an active management bent to indexes, and what you would call strategic beta. ETF products or exchange traded products. And as of last year, there were 694 of these. And these are the smart beta ETFs, right? From the likes of Wisdom Tree and PowerShares, add some sort of criteria on top, which to me is just active investing. Now you're doing it in a more systematic way and a very transparent way, which is good, but it's still active investing. And I would argue in a way, Indexes are still actively invested, right? Because things are dropped and added on a regular basis. So the best type of indexes, however, are the broadly are, are the are the measures that understand the market in broad terms, right? From large caps all the way to small caps. Not just focused on large cap names or 500 names. That's why I like VTI, like Vanguard Total Stock Market Index. It's going to go all over, right? It's going to be as broad as you possibly can. I mean, you can go the Wilshire 5000. That's about uh, almost as broad as you possibly can. But you want to go as broad as you can. But most people are in the S&P 500 index, which is concentrated in large cap names. And now the big question is, where do we go from here? And I think... One way that we're going to change is rebalancing of the portfolios are going to be more periodic as opposed to daily, uh, maybe every five days or month. Because you want to, the biggest risk with these ETFs is to, is the impact of panicked investors. So you could see on one particular day where the market moves down big, people sell, and that pushes that that perpetuates the problem. And so I could easily see those trading intervals widened out. Now it might tr not track the index quite as much, but it's going to have a less of an impact on the names in the in index. Okay. Now active management is still going to have its issues just from an arithmetic standpoint. The average fund will match the market before fees and lag it once fees have been accounted for. That's just the way it's always going to be. They're going to have their subset of managers that I think are continually more and more ignored, but continue to outperform the indexes from a risk-adjusted basis. But the math is never going to change. So if you ever think active management is going to outperform the indexes, it's never going to happen. Because you're going to have poor managers and really good managers. And your job is, if you're going to use active management, find the best managers that are out there. And understand that there is a possibility, and a good possibility, that there's always going to be a subset of active managers that are going to do better than the indexes. But if you lump them in with the poor managers and you average it out, 
Of course, active management is going to underperform the indexes, and that will never change. So understand the positives and negatives of indexing, but also don't discount what can be great about active management, and you just got to find the best ones out there. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we stream and broadcast Invest Talk live at the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time each weekday. It's also available 24-7 via our archive podcast at investtalk.com, or you can listen and subscribe at investtalk, or sorry, at iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. I hope you'll tell your friends and family members about InvestTalk and spread the good word. And now the phone lines are open, and we're taking your finance and investing questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is InvestTalk, made possible by KPP Financial where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance. They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial, you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. The InvestTalk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Jack in Concord. How you doing, Jack? I'm doing good. And you? I'm doing fine. Thank you. I have a question. I'm seeing my uh, financial advisor in about a week. Now, I've been seeing this guy for several years. He doesn't charge. Um, and what he does is he advises, hoping that when you do retire, you'll invest your, your money with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll manage your retirement account. Yes. So, I'm, I'm, you know, one of the things, I'm getting pretty close to retirement now, and I, one of the things that um, kind of struck me, been listening to you, is what sort of questions should I be asking this fellow around how he manages the money or what sort of investments does he invest in to get a sense of whether or not it's a good deal? Very good question, Jack. Appreciate that. Well, besides asking for one, three, and five-year performance, because you need to ask that, What's your performance? And then you compare that performance with the overall market. At the very least, he needs to be matching the market. He actually should outperform if he's going to get paid. And that's net after his fees. So you'll want to see those numbers. He should be able to talk to them. Then what you want to do is say, well, uh, if he's putting you in stocks, you want to see what his stock picks are. And then take a list of them with you. And then see how they've done in the last one, three years. Okay? All right. And then you want to ask him like questions like, what kind of risk does he take? How much money, percentage-wise, of my portfolio would you buy in any one stock? If he says he'll buy 10 15 20%, he's a very high-risk player. Very okay. High. It should be 3%, around 3%. It could be 4 it could be 5 it could be 2 but around 3%. And you might want to ask him, well, what does he think of the international market? If he's not too keen on international market, uh, that tells me that he's not looking at the future. He's not looking right. forward. Just ask him the question, what do you think about the rest of the world, the international market? Will we be taking advantage of that? Do you take advantage of that? How, and how do you do it? 
Ask those kinds of questions. Oh, great. And if you want more detailed information, Jack, you can email me at investtalk.com, and I'll give you a list of questions you should ask. And these are the questions that people should ask me. All so. right. I appreciate it. Okay, Jack. Appreciate the call. All right, thanks a lot. Good luck. I'd love to manage your money, too, so, you know, I'll, I'll answer the same questions. <laughs> Jack, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's go to Bob and San Ramon. How are you doing, Bob, there in San Ramon, Bob? Steve, I had a question about insider trading. Are there services that track insider trading and uh, oh, yeah. produce reports? Yes, there are, because they have to report. Insiders have to report their buys and sells. They have to report their options. They have to report everything. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Morningstar, Zacks, Datagraphs, many, many, many people report on the insider trading activity. You can find that information in a lot of places on the internet. Yahoo Finance is good. MSM Money is good. MarketWatch.com is good. Those all report those insider trading activities. The problem is you have to find it. It's not like, oh, here it is. <laughs> That's my problem. I see it on Yahoo, but I want a report where you don't have to go into each stock. Yeah, well then, see, when you're talking about reports, then you're talking about people like me who buy those kinds of information. You had to buy it. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, if you're trying to trade your own, is it worth to buy that information? You know, Inside trading is not a simple thing. People think, well, oh, they're selling. They're buying. Well, a lot of times when they sell, they're selling because their net worth is too much tied up in one stock. Bill Gates sold millions and millions of dollars worth of his shares, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have faith in his company. He's just trying to diversify. So it's a very difficult report. I think what's more important is insider buying rather than insider selling. That's what I would think, too. Yeah, Yeah, because they have to use real money to buy, real money. When they sell, it could be just options they're exercising okay. that they got for free or a very low price. So selling may not tell you the story. But when an insider is buying heavily, the CEO and his high cohorts, that means they're having a lot of faith in their company. That means they may know something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, somebody always knows something before you and I do. They always do. Yes, I think that's true. Bob, appreciate the for call. Sure. Okay, thanks. Thank Bye. you. 8899 chart, 88992 4278. We have 10 minutes left in the show, so give us a call ASAP if you are trying to get your question in. Let's talk a little bit about NVIDIA. NVIDIA and the chip stocks in general. And the big question is this kind of the canary in the coal mine for the tech industry as a whole. I've talked about how chip stocks tend to lead both on the upside and the downside, the tech sector in general, and you had Intel come out with earnings last week that weren't terrible, but they certainly weren't exciting. Their company forecasts for relative flat revenue in 2019 and profit margins. So basically no growth uh, after years of pretty strong growth. And now you see NVIDIA talk about computer server chip demand is falling uh, and that the big players are absorbing capacity, which tells me that the likes of Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Alibaba, Apple, they're not investing in data centers like they were in the past. And so they're absorbing the capacity, maybe trying to work, uh, use what they, they're, they're working with now and pulling back on capital spending. And it'll be very interesting to see when they do release earnings over the next few weeks, what they say about capital spending for 2019 because they're a huge driver uh, of the economy and capital spending in our economy, which is very, very important. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. 
with about 10 minutes remaining in the program. So I invite your calls and questions at 888-99-CHART. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99 Chart, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Let's go to Wendy in Chino Hills. She wants to talk about options, right, Wendy? Yes, I, no, I just want to ask about the options. What happens? Uh, like if you buy an option, if you buy an option, and then when it uh, uh, like uh, expires, do you need to do anything before it expires? What happens if it expires at the time, like the afterwards? Is it expiring in the money or out of the money? Uh, I don't know. It's uh, uh, it, it reached like a. Like Cross the break-even point. So, I don't know that. I don't think that answered the. I don't think that answered the question. So every option has some sort of strike price, right, of the underlying stock. So if it's a call yeah. and it closes, say it's the the strike price is fifty dollars and it expires. If it's the yeah. stock is above fifty dollars, it's called in the money. If mm -hmm. it is below okay. fifty dollars, then it was it expired mm -hmm. out of the money. Okay, oh, so depending on whether it's in the money or out of the money, then two mm -hmm. different things happen. If it's out of the money, then it, it expires, the, the option's worthless, and nothing really happens. Mm -hmm. If it what expires in, in the, the money, money, then if you are the buyer of the, or you owner of the option, then it's going to, your mm -hmm. broker's probably going to trigger the option to buy it at $50, and now you're going to have the stock. You're going to have to buy that oh, stock at okay. $50 for, yeah. Now, if you have sold the option, then you're now going to be short the stock at fifty dollars. Then you're gonna have to sell it at fifty dollars a share, right? And now it's gonna be worth more, and you're gonna be losing money. But if it's a covered call, then it's just gonna sell the, uh, the the shares that you have in your portfolio. Are you looking to get into option trading, Wendy? No, I just uh, just saw an article the other day, so I want to understand what they are talking about. So it's just that I know nothing about option and I don't want to get into option anytime soon. I don't think I know anything yet. Yeah, well, it's, it's certainly a complex uh, area to be delving in. Uh, we have an option strategy, a covered call strategy uh, that we think that works really well, uh, especially in this type of market. And it, it certainly is a great fit for uh, most people who have substantial capital. Um, and it can be a great tool. Options can be a great tool uh, to bring in more premium. And that's really what the best uh, use of options are. Some people trade options, they buy options, and you can make good money on buying options. But over time, typically, those that are selling options make the most money when it comes to uh, investing. So I hope that helps, uh, Wendy. I know it's a, a complex thing to, to understand. But it can be beneficial, but you really want to know what you're doing. Thanks for calling. Here's another benefit when you sign up for our Invest Talk Insider program a brief list of real estate investment trusts, REITs, that should be on investors' radar if they're looking for exposure to this dividend focused sector. You can sign up for this free Invest Talk Insider program 
on investtalk.com. 888.99 chart, 888.992.427. Let's talk quickly about umbrella insurance. It's also known as excess personal liability insurance. And what it does, it sits on top of your auto insurance, homeowner's insurance, any other type of insurance that uh, you might have. And if, dam if, if you get sued or there's an accident, the damages... And then the damages go above the limits of those other policies, then the umbrella policy will take over. That's kind of how it works. Now, it, typically, in general, sold, it's sold in million dollar increments. So you have a million dollar umbrella policy, $2 million. And it costs anywhere from $150 to $350 a year per million dollars, depending on where you live, uh, etc. Now, most insurance policies. Or will only be sold if you also have your homeowners and auto policy with that same carrier. Okay, so understand that as well, and you need to have minimum caps on those things, like three hundred thousand for homeowners policy, two hundred fifty thousand, uh, or five hundred five hundred thousand per accident, things like that. And if you have teen drivers, elderly drivers on your policy, maybe you own a condo, you might be responsible for damages to other units, uh, maybe you own a swimming pool or a trampoline or a dog or a boat, things that could create big liabilities. That's typically when you're going to need umbrella policies. But I know Steve, he was in the insurance industry for a long time. He actually likes umbrella policies, especially if you have those type of risks. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program, and I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Steve will be here tomorrow. Have a nice evening, everybody. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.